The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, So there's been a lot of frightening news out there. I was thinking about this. I have a little bit of a cold, some laryngitis, and I have to explain to people, no, I don't have a deadly virus. Uh, That's kind of a crazy way to live, isn't it? But that's the world we're living in right now. So with all this craziness, how should we focus our energies Well, on today's show, I'm just going to focus in on the essential role or the essential purpose every Christian should have, and that's to be an example of love in whatever community God has called us to. We'll talk about that on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Welcome back to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I am your host, Dr. Doug Bursch. So glad you could join me today. Uh, So I got to tell you about today's show. I almost thought about doing a rerun. Uh, I've been under the weather and uh, man, in this time we're in right now, uh, if you're listening to this on the radio or live or in this current month here of February, uh, you know, we have all these coronavirus scare. I, we, of course, are in the Seattle area. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy when you have a cold. You, the first thing you have to say to someone uh, is, no, but I don't I don't have that cold. I, at least I don't think I have that cold. And that's kind of how we're all feeling now. The thing I have, just so I can explain, is uh, early on in the family, my wife had it, then my son had it, and they're all fine, and I have it. It's just the normal kind of thing that you get. Uh, in winters here in the Pacific Northwest, but in our current climate, you know, everything seems, I don't know, just a little bit more. Uh, So I thought about doing, uh, you know, a special show, a rerun, because maybe you wouldn't want to hear my my voice with my laryngitis, but, you know, instead, I'm just going to bring you a show about probably one of the most important things that I focus in on in pastoring and ministry and doing a radio show. You know, if I'm feeling weak, if I'm feeling like, uh, you know, what do I have to offer? I, I think this message is a message I'd probably preach a thousand times uh, in that it is essential. And often when we look at our world, I don't understand why we don't focus our messages on love, or at least more of our messages on love, or how we've quickly moved on to other things when we really haven't gotten a grasp of what it means to be loving in this world that's dying. Uh, particularly when I see Christians who don't seem to contrast the world in the way they express truth. They certainly don't seem any more loving. In fact, sometimes they even seem more angry. Uh, Here's my number. You can text if you want to give, I don't know, well wishes, or you want to just comment about something with the show, or leave a voicemail. I don't know. You can leave a voicemail singing a song uh, to cheer me up. I don't know. Whatever you want to do here. Uh, Maybe the song is not a good idea, but you can text this number or leave a voicemail. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 4513-360-818-4513. You can also go to the website fairlyspiritual.org and see about past podcasts, how to subscribe to the show, uh, pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church. You know, one of the best ways you can support what we're doing here is to invest your energy in uh, reading the book I wrote. And I, and I say that not for self-promotion, although, you know, clearly it's the book I wrote, but that's my heart. 
And uh, I, if you want to know my heart, if you're like, hey, you know, I like some of the things Doug talks about here. If you want to have my heart about the church, about ministry, about the struggles of being in community, then I would encourage you to pick up that book, The Community of God, Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. But right now, I just want to talk with you about love. And I know when we say something like love, we're like, oh, yeah, I know that. That's not important. Let's get to the more important stuff. But uh, I, I think we haven't even remotely begun to truly testify to the love of God in our Christian witness in America. And I just want to go over a very familiar passage, but look at it maybe from with some fresh eyes or some eyes that might convict each of us that we have much more room to grow when it comes to love. Now, there is a passage that is almost required reading at every wedding. Uh, you've heard it, you know, the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, the love verses. And it's interesting that we read these verses in a context that is often very different than the context they were written in. It's, it's a wedding ceremony. We're talking about the love that, you know, a bride has for the groom or the groom for the bride or the, the love this couple has as they're coming together. And we, we use it in these wonderful terms of, oh, isn't it beautiful how love is this and love is that? But this passage was originally written as a rebuke. And I, I can't over, I can't over uh, by the way, being sick, I can't necessarily find my first choice words. I'm second choice or third choice words. So forgive me if I'm a little bit more uh, muddled in my message. But uh, this, this passage was written as a rebuke to people who were not pursuing the love of God, or who had forgotten one of the essential reasons Christ came to abide with us, to die on the cross, to forgive us of our sins, and to give us life. So uh, I want to read this, and uh, just I want you to see it in that context. Paul's writing to a church that I think he believes is not being very loving. The Corinthian church is constantly caught in these turmoils, these conflicts, these battles over spiritual gifts, over spiritual expressions, and Paul has to keep coming to them with this you know, none of this stuff matters if you don't love. And in fact, uh, you're nothing if you don't love, and your witness is nothing if you don't love. So it's very strong. And, and I would like you to even imagine, as this letter is being read to the congregation, they're thinking of people in this community who are not loving. Uh, Paul's listing examples of people in the community. There's some people who believe they're speaking in the tongues of angels, but they're not loving. They're not making room for the full expression of the body of Christ. There's some people who believe they have these amazing, eloquent, mysterious teachings, these wonderful teachings, but they're not loving. And that's a problem in that community. There's others that are all about, you know, we just need to give to the poor and we need to sacrifice our lives and be martyrs for Christ, but they're not being loving. And Paul basically goes through the list of each one of these people who, who seem to all kind of navigate their own lane when it comes to the expression of Christian truth or Christian behavior in the world, and Paul just levels it through the Holy Spirit. Like, none of this stuff matters without love. And I can imagine even as this letter's being read, people are being looked at. You know, yeah, looking at that person in the corner, uh, you, Carl, you know, who, you, who you, you have all these eloquent words and wisdom, but without love, it's nothing. You're not doing anything to help anybody. And Paul says these things about, you know, you can you know, give to the poor and surrender your body to the flames without love. And he looks at the person in the church who's known as the most giving and the most sacrificial and most concerned with the poor. And again, looking them in the eyes and saying, you know, you're just a resounding gong. You're a clinging symbol without love. So I'm going to read this to you. It's very familiar, but maybe have the Lord open your ears to hear it in a better way, even though it's with my voice with laryngitis. 
Um, Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So whether it's a completely intelligible language or it's a mysterious language that you think is angelic, if you don't have love, you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, so those are the, the wise people, the theologians, the, you know, the learned uh, men uh, of wisdom. He says, you know, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, but have, have not love, I'm nothing. And he goes on, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. So some people say, well, it's not about your words. It's not about being wise and learned and having great messages. It's about faith, as long as you have faith. And, and Paul says, fine, you have a bunch of faith. But without love, I'm nothing. I mean, that's about as strong of a rebuke as you can have. We In weddings, we're like, oh, you complete me. I am nothing without you. That's, that's not what Paul's saying. He's looking people in the eyes through this writing and saying, what you're doing, what you think makes you so important, without love, you have nothing to offer people. If you have a faith without love, that faith offers people nothing. He goes on, he says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. That's such a strong rebuke. Like, there's nothing more powerful than laying your life down for Christ. And basically, Paul says, you can give away all your possessions. You know, like the the rich young ruler, you can give it all away. And you can actually burn your body, allow yourself to be consumed with fire in martyrdom for your Savior. But if you didn't do this with love, you have nothing. And then he goes on. These are familiar passages again. We read them at weddings and at other, you know, lovey-dovey events. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. And it is not jealous. And again, these are rebuking words, looking people and saying, love is patient. So what's with all the impatience around here? Love is kind. So why are you not known as a kind community? It's not jealous, so why are you so jealous over each other's spiritual gifts? Love does not brag and is not arrogant. So why are you known for your braggadocia, for your arrogance? Why do you follow arrogant leaders? Why do you prop up people of arrogance? Proud, boastful people, that's not love. That's an antichrist spirit. It says love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered or its long suffering. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are the gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. You know, the people who are so excited about their prophetic utterances, those things are going to go away. Love is what matters, and if you don't have love, you have nothing. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. And he's saying again, your behavior, your unwillingness to love, your selfish pursuits, is a sign you're like a child with no authority, with no discipline, with no wisdom. But Paul says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, 
but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It's such a powerful passage, and I just want to focus in on a few things of how we forget about love. If we could correct anyone, and, and maybe this can seem harsh to people, and you say, hey, Doug, you're not feeling too good today. You're kind of under the weather. I thought you'd give me a break here. Well, I am giving you a break. But if you're in a place where you're not known for your love, you need the rebuke of the Lord. You need the discipline of the Lord. Loving discipline, loving rebuke, but you need help because what you're doing has no value. Paul, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, says it about as clear as anyone could say it. If, if you're doing religious things, if you're proclaiming religious truths, if you're doing religious activities, if you have great wise words and wise sermons, but you're not known as someone who's loving, you have nothing. If you're doing great works of just, you know, feeding the poor and, and living a life of, you know, where you hardly have anything but the clothes on your back, but you're not loving you have nothing. He goes through every category. It's fascinating how all the categories are addressed, even the categories that we kind of have in, in Christians where some Christians seem to be more concerned with some things versus other things. Whatever you're concerned with, Paul seems to address, and he says, here's the unifying reality. Regardless of what you're concerned with, regardless of what you think is most important, if you are not loving, if you're not known as loving, you have nothing. So he says, you know, pristine theology and preaching, someone who knows all the mysteries and all the knowledge— Without love, it doesn't mean anything. So you can follow someone who has great apologetics, they have great sermons, great preaching, they can argue every Christian point and tell you what scripture goes with what problem, and they're just great at, at just speaking the truth whenever they think the truth needs to be spoken. But if they're not known as loving, they have nothing. If they're not motivated by love, they're not motivated by Christ. They say, well, that's that one group. Well, what about this other group? People who are all about service and sacrifice, right? Giving away what you have to the poor. It's not about our preaching. It's not about our teaching. It's about, you know, serving our communities and sacrificing our lives. And again, Paul says, okay, in that group, the same thing. You can give to the poor. You can die as a martyr. But if you do not have love, you have nothing. Without love, we are nothing. There's no excuse in this argument. But often I see Christians excuse the absence of love. They make excuses as if love is an option. And, and here's ways people excuse it. I've seen this, and you've heard some of this stuff as well. Excuses for why people aren't loving. Well, you know, he's just a passionate leader. He's very passionate about the kingdom of God. And, you know, passionate people sometimes are a little harsh, and they might not seem very loving. Well, this is what I would say. That's not a good enough excuse. If you're passionate about the gospel, you're passionate about love. And if you're not passionate about love, then you do not know the gospel. I've heard this as well. Some of you, it depends on your traditions, you've heard these things. Well, he's very prophetic. He works in the prophetic, and sometimes, you know, prophecy is harsh, and the truth is harsh. And so, you know, he just can't be that gentle and that loving because, you know, sometimes he just has to say the truth, and you just need to understand, well, no, no, I don't need to understand that. Because, again... If someone is truly acting in the prophetic, which is at some level to reveal the will of God to God's people, then that person will reveal the will of God in a loving manner. Because if they're speaking on behalf of Christ, they will not just speak the message of Christ, but they will speak the heart of Christ. 
And it's incredibly dangerous to say, well, as long as you know he or she does the right prophecy or he or she does the right message, it's okay if they don't love. That is basically allowing a satanic foothold to control that person's witness. And we're allowing all kinds of garbage in. I've seen that. Well, you know, he's grown a big church. A lot of people have gotten saved. So he's not that loving, but look at the fruit of his life. If he's not that loving, that is the fruit of his life, regardless of how many people are there. Regardless of how many people praise them, regardless of the following someone has, if they're not known as loving, they have nothing. I've heard people say that. Well, you know, he or she just tells it like it is. I'm often, I'm using he a lot because often these are excuses made more for men than women. But, you know, he just tells it like it is. Well, if he doesn't tell it in love, that's not like it is. Because God is love. And you're not speaking the words of God if you're not speaking with the heart of God. Well, I got to stand against injustice, and so that's why I'm not loving to people. Uh, Christ said, love your enemies, do good to them, bless them, lend to them, and don't expect to be repaid. It's very clear that we can stand against injustice but still be known as people who love. And it's very clear because that's what Christ did. And even I know whenever I say these things, people say, well, you know, Christ turned over tables and rebuked people in the temple. He did. But he also died for every single person in that room. And so he showed his ultimate expression of love by dying for their sins and laying down his life. So if we're going to be that kind of person who crusades against injustices, we also must be willing to lay down our lives so we're willing to sacrifice our lives, or at least sacrifice our wants and our desires and to serve others. To be, as Philippians 2 says, to, to, as our attitude should be like Christ's attitude, who humbled himself and became the servant of all. And it doesn't just say the servant of good people, or the servant of loving people, but the servant of all. You know, um, I believe this firmly, that truth without love is not truth. Truth without love is not truth, and, and when love becomes a secondary value, it is no longer love. Now, whenever I say this, I'll even you know, tweet this on Facebook, uh, excuse me, on Twitter, post it on Facebook. If I post something like, truth without love is not truth, people will immediately go, well, you know, love without truth is not love. And I think, why? Why do we do that? Because if I look at people, seldom do I see the problem as, ah, you know, people are just loving without truth. I see with Christians that often they use the truth moniker as an excuse not to love. Well, I'm just telling my spouse the truth. I'm just telling my kids the truth. I'm just telling my friend the truth. But they're telling that truth in a way that you could say, are you truly loving this person? Do you truly feel compassion for this person or do you just want to speak the truth? Truth without love is not truth. You know, the Pharisees often spoke as if they had the truth on their side, but they didn't love Jesus. And that meant everything. Even the interactions they had, you know, Jesus had with the Pharisees, the primary problem with it is the Pharisees did not love Jesus, and he knew that. So even their well-intentioned questions and arguments came from a place where they did not love Jesus. Because they did not love Jesus, they could not receive his truth. And because they did not love Jesus, they weren't seeking the truth. You cannot find the truth without also embracing the love. So how does this look? I just think about our Christian witness in the world, and, and this is how it should look. If without love we're nothing, 
if love is what truly makes our life have integrity, it makes our eloquent words have integrity, it makes our wisdom have integrity, it makes giving to the poor have integrity, it makes laying down our lives in martyrdom have integrity. If love is what gives us integrity, then this is how our witness should be in the world. Here's one politically. You know, Christians can be involved in politics, especially in America. That's one way we express ourselves as citizens. But if Christians are truly living what Paul has preached here, Christians should be known as the most loving people in the way we express our politics, period. And if you're expressing your political opinions and persuasions, but people do not consider you loving, then you have a problem. If you are someone who actually is causing division and divisiveness and polarization, and you're actually known more as an angry person, and you can say, oh, no, I'm not. Well, if I asked your, your kids or your grandkids or your friends or those who follow you on Facebook, if your political expressions are expressions that are rooted in love, if I asked them that, would they say yes? And, and, and I think if you can't right away give the answer, or if at some level you're feeling defensive and angry, then I think we already know the answer to this. Because love, my friends, love at its core will permeate every aspect of our life. People will know when you love them. They will know. And Christians should look radically different in our political expressions. The people we support, the candidates we prop up, they should be known as the most loving people on the face of the earth. Without love, we have nothing. Our witness means nothing. If we champion and crusade people who are not loving, we have nothing. And I hear people even say that, well, you know, you're a pastor, you're supposed to be loving, but not politicians. Politicians aren't supposed to be loving. If that's what you believe, that the truth of politics can be expressed without love, but somehow the church can be expressed with love, and you can support candidates who are not loving, yet you can, can't support pastors who aren't loving, then you have a duplicity that will tear your faith in half. You cannot serve two masters. Whether, whether I'm a Christian mailman, a Christian politician, a Christian surgeon, doctor, lawyer, teacher, or pastor, I must be known as love, and I must be known as someone who's actively facilitating climates and leadership that promotes love. Social media is the same way. Christians should be the most loving people on social media. You, you don't even have to read their profile. You don't have to read that they love God in their profile. You can tell in the way they treat every person. Conflict in society. Christians should be known as the most loving people when conflict arises. Right now in the middle of this coronavirus thing, Christians should be known as the most loving people, that we love people. When a conflict occurs at your school, Christians should be the advocates of love. If there's a Christian in a classroom, that teacher should know who that Christian is because they're the most loving student and they're the most loving parent. The school board should know who the Christians are because they're the most loving people when they come to the school board meetings. Christians should be known by their love, and if we're not, we're a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. We have nothing to offer. But so often we crusade for justice at the cost of love. In our parenting, in our marriage, in our friendships, all our conflicts are ultimately defined by love. And if we're unwilling to love, we have nothing. Another area, too, is, you know, love is more than just not yelling at people or treating people terribly. 
Uh, love is also actively expressing goodness. And if we're withholding our kindness from others, there's a wickedness in that as well. If we're withholding goodness from people, if we're giving them the cold shoulder, if we're just not responding in kind, if we're abandoning relationships because we don't want to love someone anymore, we are not witnessing Christ. We are called to love and to love deeply. So that's what I'm asking you. Are you known as someone who loves the way Christ loves? Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and he writes it to me today. And it is a rebuke in any area of my life where I refuse to love. Well, I'm not going to love my spouse until she agrees with me. And I'm not going to love my kids until they obey me. And I'm not going to love my neighbor until he, he moves that fence line. Or I'm not going to love this church until they give me what I want. That is not love. Love is Christ in every situation, in every conflict. Without love, we have nothing to offer anyone. All right. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Hopefully I'll have a better voice next time. Uh, here's the number to text if you want, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org to find out more about the ministry that I do and to purchase my book or support this radio broadcast, fairlyspiritual.org. I love you guys. My goal is to try to serve God and to serve you. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.